0: Be DBM, East Lansing.
1: You think the Pistons are playoff
0: bound?
1: This MSU job. team deserves to be in a BCS game.
0: Fire, Leland! It. Yes, it's a Michigan State bye week, but that does not stop us from MSU football. Plus, it's Tiger playoff time.
1: This. Is the Spartan
0: Sports Rap. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. You can listen to us live on two ways 1 through 88.9 on your FM dial, or you can stream us online. Wherever you are in the country, in the state of Michigan, you can listen to us anywhere www.impact89fm.org. There's a Listen Live Now link. You can click on the right corner of the screen. But yes, Alex Sharg and Fino here bringing to you another episode of Spartan Sports Trap. You can hear us every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Same time, same place. If it's your first time tuning in, let me explain to you how it works. We start with Spartan Sports first. That's everything from basketball to volleyball to soccer to whatever and we, we're going to touch on volleyball just for a second later. Got to. Got to. And then we're going to jump to some Detroit sports, especially with Tigers, and then some a little bit of national. But, Fino, let's talk. Let's t- tell the listeners what we've been doing. And first of all, how how are you doing today?
2: Fino's doing okay, Shark. Thanks for asking. It's always good to be here with Alex. And, of course, Max behind the glass, our executive producer, as usual. Here with us, we're blessed to have him. But what have we been doing here at Impact Sports? We've been doing a lot, Alex, of course. We've been really on cruise control on Spartan Sports Rap until The Pact, which is the new show we got coming out. October 14th, a panelist with a host, and it's embracing the Spartan debate. We're talking a lot of debate, a lot of common issues of Spartan sports, and even national and Detroit news. That's something to look forward to. It's just tackling sports issues with the most entertaining personalities here at Michigan State. The new website is coming, launching Homecoming Weekend, Alex. That's something we're really looking forward to. Yes, exactly. Homecoming Week,
0: October 12th. Look for us. We'll be by the tennis courts. The Impact staff and the Impact sports staff will be there. Don't so, not Exactly. Comes out of Fino. Um, but speaking of staff, we cannot produce all of this niche content right. without you, the listener, and you, the staff member. If you're interested in being a part of Impact Sports, come to the basement of Holden Hall. That's G4. You can fill out an application, say you're interested in sports, and we'll get back to you. Or you could also send us an email, MSU Impact Sports at gmail.com. Again, MSU Impact Sports at gmail.com. .com we are expanding and always taking applications
2: 55 staff members now fino I mean we're growing you know not to mention a couple of weeks ago alex we had around 32 staff members that's not even a week and a half ago we're at 50 something now we're always continuing to grow like alex said stop by in the basement it's impact studios we're here we're always here you know i promise alex or max do not bite no promises from fino but we're here and just come say a lie and fill in an app.
0: Absolutely. The number for the show, 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sportsrap. Fino is standing by with all of the Twitter updates and handling that you would need. If you'd like to interact with Fino, feel free to send him a tweet, he'll be right at you. But Fino, let's talk about this week, just to start. There's no Dantonio garbage no, to start.
2: I mean Fino's actually coming to the studio and work somewhat happy today. And I say that because there's one reason. Michigan State did not play a football game, Alex. They did not Uh, play a football game. We're joking. joking. We are joking, of course. (laughs) No one supports Michigan State more than Alex and I do. But I am joking. But this kind of leads into highlights of the week. And my highlight has to be this incredible player. I've seen nothing but outstanding starts and really... There's not a better player in the National Football League than Peyton Manning. I said it. Peyton Manning is my highlight of the week. Why? His red-hot start. 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and the teams he's beating, Alex, he's beating them with absolute class, and it's really something special to watch. He is. And the, the real question, Fino, you know,
0: that mm-hmm. some critics and fans are asking, is he as good as Elway? Could he be?
2: You know what, so many people have asked me that similar question, and it kind of reminds me when Elway went back-to-back Super Bowls, what was it, 1997, 1998, kind of towards the end of his career, comes on the Broncos, and they just put together a couple of Super Bowls. Are we watching an era in Denver that can be really special to watch? I mean, what the Broncos are doing are unbelievable. I have not seen a better quarterback in my lifetime than Peyton Manning, and it's special to watch.
0: Not in your lifetime?
2: In my lifetime,
0: not even Dan Marino as a kid.
2: No way, Dan Marino didn't win the big one.
0: Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is the number for me, Fino. I'm going What's to go with highlight? another quarterback in the NFL. Okay, which is former Spartan Brian Hoyer, leading the Cleveland Browns to two straight wins after a dismal 0 2 start. Passing for over 200 yards every game, he's touchdowns.
2: Getting be- he's getting better. He's
0: getting there, man. And he- he's the new- getting there.
2: The news out of Cleveland. You know, Brian Hoyer is starting his third straight game this week. So they're believing, and I think Brandon Wheaton's time is maybe out. And guess what? People were talking about Cleveland tanking the season. Teddy Bridgewater was already getting calls. Maybe Does Cleveland have a quarterback in the future with Brian Hoyer? Boy, would I love to see that. He's been nothing but outstanding so far. And he's beating playoff-caliber teams, Alex. Playoff teams, and it's been... Really a joy to watch. You know, I recommend watch a Browns game and watch this guy control this offense.
0: Speaking of Spartans, that has to go to our big question of the day. Because although MSU football is not playing this week. We're we still talking have, about we're it. We're still talking about it. And we didn't get to this last week. And it's important. Because And when Maxwell came in the game, if you missed it, in the fourth quarter, the Spartans down by a score. They needed to get a score. The full length of the field are down four, four points. Yep. Seventeen score four, yeah, pretty uh, ironic there. Yeah. But down four, instead of leaving Cook in on the final drive, they put Maxwell in, who didn't take a snap the whole game. So the the, the critics the critics went on the the yelling went on mm-hmm. the the criticism the firing of D'Antonio Chance even rang out a- across Twitter. I saw a couple of those, kind of unbelievable, yeah. Uh, but the real question, and, and this is what Fino and I talked about last week that we didn't get to on the show, was. Would a loss from Connor Cook still in the game be worse than a Maxwell loss or a loss of Tyler O'Connor coming in? Because although Maxwell's loss was bad, would the offense still be in question if O'Connor ca- came in or if Cook stayed in? Or even if you gave Terry the ball, you know we haven't right. really pro- people are still set on Cook. Now, it's the blame's on Maxwell, not the offense. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing.
2: I think the interesting thing to look at here is what's worse for the Spartans. Well, the worst move made by Michigan State was the move that was made by Coach D'Antonio that was putting in Maxwell into this game at the last minute. For me, Alex, I saw no positives in such move. He was kind of out of sync with the offense. I mean, the elusive 4-20 and scramble out of bounds was essentially waving the white flag. And on top of that, we spoke about it last week. Cook was interviewed after the game and he said he was healthy and he said he really wished he could have been out there. Almost like he kind of tore his confidence down a little bit. For me, the worst situation in South Bend occurred for Michigan state and that's having Cook on the sidelines on the last play. It's almost like your coach is not even having faith in you to lead you down the field. And we were talking about it before the show. If Michigan state's going to have any success it's gonna be with Connor Cook and building confidence for this guy. I but, mean, but at the
0: same he, time, D'Antonio has said that if the Spartans don't move the ball down the field, he's gonna take that quarterback out of the game and go with the. But here's my thing:
2: if you want to do that, why do it on the last play? It's not. Now listen, but that's the thing: he was moving the
0: ball down the field most of the game.
2: Was he? It was
0: fourth and twenty. He was moving in th- in the fourth. He wasn't, but throughout the Cook. first three quarters, Cook. Okay, Cook. but throughout the first three quarters, Cook was moving the ball well. He it was. wasn't until that fourth. So. Should he have put Maxwell in? I do see the reasoning. It was a coach's decision. They weren't moving the
2: ball. I get that. But it's the last drive that... It doesn't make sense, Alex. If you're going to put Maxwell in the game, put him in earlier. So now there's two things that are wrong with the situation. I understand Alex and I, myself, and I, I you, know, you know, I'll take responsibility for this. I've been very critical of, you know, Maxwell's play. Extremely critical. This is Fino saying sorry. I'm not saying sorry. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because it's not reasonable to ask Maxwell when you haven't even licked a game snap and go down the field. This is a guy that's never taken a snap at Notre Dame Stadium. Maxwell has never played at Notre Dame. Never in the history of his starting whatever career as a Michigan State Spartan. This guy's never taken a live snap at Notre Dame Stadium. So now you're asking him to go down the field. How is that fair? It's not fair. And I understand I've been critical of Maxwell, and I still will be. That's the wrong coaching move. And you know what? I saw an article in the L. No, 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 but he, but he has played in big games more he, than Cook. He has, and he hasn't, he hasn't played
0: in Notre Dame Stadium, but he's played in big games,
2: and he's lost every one of them. What big game has he won? Boise State's his biggest one of his career. Boise State. Boise State. That, uh, that's a game. That's a game. You know, that's a ranked opponent coming into you know Spartan State, but he put 17 points on the board, so he doesn't look that good. So here's my thing: you can't be. You can't expect Maxwell to come in. You shatter Cook's confidence. O'Connor didn't even lick the game. Terry still is doing something on the sideline. And you know what? Cook is just – you shatter this guy's confidence. All right, well,
0: instead of asking Maxwell, let's ask let's Max ask King. Let's
2: ask our Maxwell. It's Max King.
1: Well, I – okay, well, first of all, I'll go go back to that Boise State game. Yes, that was his biggest win. I think everyone can agree on that, but we can also agree that – The
2: defense That it.
1: that was also defense and a man named Le'Veon Bell, who had a great start in his uh, yeah, NFL debut. Carries, but we'll, we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's pretty obvious that that was the wrong coaching move. Um, We talked we, we talk about it the last couple of weeks, how – Connor Cook is their guy on a weekly basis for now, okay, but every time I think after the Notre Dame game, even though it was it was sloppy, but I think they played better than expected he he's slowly becoming that guy, and um I think maxwell he cook is slowly becoming that guy, Maxwell quickly became not that guy
2: it's kind of it's kind of interesting to watch, but when I look at Michigan state's offense, there is no urgency for big play. If you're Michigan State, you cannot move the football in big quantities, Alex. They can't really move the football in big qualities. I saw a great statistic. I forget where I saw it, but it said in about 70 or 80, maybe 90-something plays, Michigan State has zero plays over 40 yards. And when you have no big play ability, it's very predictable for a defense. You make it impossible on your offense. And I'm going to go far and say, yes, the personnel isn't there. Are we going to question now the coaching scheme? You're saying the personnel isn't there? Oh, without a doubt. The personnel is not there for Michigan State. The quality of play isn't there. That's obvious. But that's the coach's fault when this is college. you know you can't ask Mark Hollis to sign Braxton Miller for a four-year deal. That doesn't work like that. Look at the personnel. I bring him up all the time because I think he's the, one of the classiest coaches in the Big Ten. It's Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien with unforeseenable circumstances has failed to has not failed to impress, correct me, has not failed to impress anyone. He is impressive in the fact where he can recruit. He nabs the best quarterback, best quarterback recruit, five-star Tyler Hackenberg, to Penn State to play for absolutely nothing. The only thing he's playing for is the last name behind his, behind his jersey and to play in front of 110,000 fans. No, you know.
0: He's uh, not just playing for the, the back of the jersey. Of, he's playing for that name. No, he's
2: not. Tyler Hackenberg, why else is he going to go to Penn State? Because of the history of the program. Of course, that's the that's what I'm saying. What's his name on the back of the jersey? Penn State has never had last names on the back of their jerseys. Bill uh, O'Brien, it puts, doesn't matter. He's playing for the program.
0: He's not just playing for the history, he's playing for the po- that's what every player is going to do. He's playing for the program. I
2: understand that. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's, you're, uh, Shar-Gi, here, I okay, I think you're confusing me here. I'm saying he's playing for the program. There's not even a question of doubt Penn State's more prestigious than Michigan State. That's not even debatable. Right. Okay? But when you look at it, he, of course he's playing for the program, but Penn State, he's playing for Penn State. He's playing for Bill O'Brien. That's where I have to start All questioning right, personnel. Right. That's what I'm saying here. He's playing for the university. They have nothing to play for. And on top of that, th- despite all the sanctions, these it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what Penn State has accomplished. Because they dress 60 guys when every other university is flying 85 guys. They're flying 60 guys, and they're kicking their tails. They're kicking their opponent's tails, and they're playing good ball. And it's, it's humbling to watch. And those are the reasons why you love Big Ten football. Those are the reasons why you love Big Ten football. Bill O'Brien's a coach, and I'm not going to make this into the Bill O'Brien show. I'm just simply noting the fact when you can believe and play for a coach. Nothing against Mark D'Antonio. They love playing for him.
0: Bill O'Brien, if you're listening, Fino's got your season tickets. He's got them. He's, he'll be in every game. He'll be I'm flying back for every game. No, no, no I get that. No, It's, it's, it's a fine po- It's a fair so point. So that's
2: where the point you have to look at, Shargis. Where are your personnel? Are your guys on board? Why are you berating your quarterbacks, you know, Competence and that's something looking into Iowa will speak about because hopefully they can have a win.
0: Exactly five one seven four three two three eight nine three again five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Looking into Iowa, Fino, mm-hmm. let's talk about maybe the penalties from last week if yeah. they'll carry over,
2: and then just the chances. I mean, what I see is this: Michigan State has their work cut out for them. Kinnick Stadium is a place; it's a very difficult place to play. Any stadium now in the Big Ten is difficult. I don't care what you have to say. I think Purdue's an intimidating atmosphere. I think any stadium in the Big Ten is intimidating. That being said, I think there's two things that Michigan State needs to look at, and it's discipline. They need to be disciplined with penalties. I understand you can say that we can sit here, Alex, and we can blame the refs all show. We can blame them, how they were unfair, that was not a call. But listen, if that's the card you're going to dealt, Michigan State doesn't, cannot fold. They need to play the hand and play hard football. If that's what they're calling, adjust. And I think that's what Michigan State is doing in practice, is they're adjusting. More discipline play, Alex. If they're playing, if they're covering a tight game, calling a tight game, why would you play a tight game? Am I wrong? Oh. So they gotta play a little more discipline. That's what I'm saying. Cook, I hope he plays consistent. I look at consistency for Connor Cook. Don't be with all this guy's confidence. I think the receivers need to catch the ball. I think that's a big thing, is catching the ball, not missing a block or two, running Michigan State's offense, end arounds, of flea flickers, whatnot. You know, bring back the power run game. Langford, you know, he showed a lot of elusiveness when he played, Shark. but they got to give him the ball more. Give this guy the ball more. Give him the rock. Right. I mean, the fourth quarter, they rarely gave it to him. I don't understand why. I understand you're down, but you're not down 14. You're down, you're down four. So, I'm curious to know what they have to do, Max. If you're if you're this team, you're down 4 points, you got a running back that can roll, okay? Why are you not giving this guy the rock? Is this a coaching issue? Is this a discipline issue? What I mean, what are keys for you? Well,
1: I, I think it's I think it's definitely a coaching issue because the coaches obviously make the final call. Um and actually to go back to real quick, uh it was Bruce Feldman CBS Sports who said that MSU is the only team in the country to not That's have a play over forty yards, How which, embarrassing which is, is, that? It is embarrassing. And when I look at Iowa, first of all, if you are into offense, if you want to see good offense, do not watch the Michigan State Iowa game. They are tenth and eleventh, respectively, in the Big Ten. Hard to believe that Michigan State. There's a wor- there's worse offenses, but there's two, and one of them is Iowa. The other's Illinois. And then, but then when I look at it, Iowa is sixth or worse in almost every major team statistic in the Big Ten. So. I mean, you. I mean, they. They are. They are. Uh, Good points. Total defense. They are ninth in total offense. They are eleventh, and I, I'm going through these statistics, and they are sixth or worse in almost everything. So they're bottom but, feeders. So the one thing is, it's going to be. It's two bad offenses, and then a bad defense and a great defense. So that's the X factor right there is Michigan State's defense.
2: That's the thing, but you know what scares me about all the statistics? Somehow Michigan State is above Iowa's standard, but when I look at Iowa's schedule. They played Western Michigan, and they beat them 59-3. to three. Right. They put 59 points on Western it's Michigan. It's crazy. It's crazy. See what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. I'm so excited to see this game, Alex. We'll give our predictions later. But keys to the game, what does Michigan State need to do if you're Pat and Arduzzi? Right, right.
0: real, real quick, before we get to the keys of the game, let me, let, me think, let me just put this out there. Okay. I will beat them 59-3, to three, and we beat them not nearly as much. But keep 26. in mind, you are know, you're, you're probably more looking at the offense, man. Like, if, if Iowa's offense can put up 59 points, we can't put up nearly as much, there's a problem there.
2: Clearly offensively speaking. Okay,
0: defensively, okay, if Iowa let up only three points and we let up touchdowns to
2: Western Michigan with our great defense, what does that say about Iowa? Says Iowa is a moxie team, but when it comes down to it, Iowa has yet to our fa- great defense. You know, our amazing leading Big Ten defense.
0: I think Iowa will struggle. Let up more points, touchdowns, touchdowns.
2: I think Iowa. I think, compared to Iowa, I think points. Iowa struggles against Michigan State's defense, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring tilt between the two teams. Because it's fair to say as much. As we and you know, Max as well, bewittle the offense, the defense is still the standard. It's still the golden child of this team. So that being said, Iowa hasn't played a defense like Michigan State's. So that needs to, we have to be cognizant of the fact that it's like, okay, they haven't faced a defense and Michigan State will bring it. This is a big game for Michigan State.
0: Yeah. Key of the game it has to What's be Shelly Calhoun. Okay. Every game he's came up big, whether it's an intercept whether not an interception, whether it's a fumble recovery,
2: whether it's a sack or a forced fumble. He's got it. I mean, look at all the great games that they've won. Let me ask you this. Fun tabloid. Do you think Michigan State scores a defensive touchdown at Kinnick Stadium? Max?
0: Yes. I'm going to say no. I don't think they will. I'm
2: going to say yes as well. And it's interesting because I'm going to say this. If Michigan State does not, not score a defensive touchdown against Iowa, I think they they lose. lose. I think they lose. But if they can score defensively, I think they win. Yeah. I think they win because that's how dominant they've been all that's year. That's the key
0: to the game. That's Until they have their quarterback, it's key to the game. There it is. <laughs> Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Fino. But <clears throat> before we jump to a break in about ten minutes, yeah, we've got to talk a little bit about the receivers because when we th- when when the when the dropping balls massacre yeah. was going on, yeah, it was a massacre. It was uh, it was fixed for a week or two, and then it went right back at it last game
2: against Notre Dame. Okay, Shark, let me ask you this. One word that could describe Michigan State's receiving core. For me, I, I, I want to know your guys' words. For me, it's inconsistency. It's an obvious one. Obviously, yeah. It's an inc- inconsistency for me. You said it, Alex. A couple weeks, it's fixed. A couple weeks, it's back to normal. I don't know. For me, it's
0: heart throbbing Because there are so many times where there are some plays that could have broke out probably for touchdowns or crucial plays in the fourth, heartthrob.
2: You're your heartthrob. Heartbroken as well. Max?
1: Mine would be crushing, as that's in crushing any hope that a passing a pass will be caught. And you know what? Honestly, I I came into the season with a little bit open of a mind, thought, okay, they can get nothing but better. But the one that still haunts me, if it haunts me, it definitely haunts Keith Munfrey. Was that yeah. drop pass he had at Notre Dame? I mean, that is, that was that, that was actually, that's actually one of the worst drops I've seen in college football in a long time. What so was that?
2: Like right to his chest? It
1: was right at his chest. It's right at It the bounced numbers. off his numbers. And it went through his hands, bounced off Fast his off numbers. his
2: numbers and then bounced. At, yeah. And just to recap, just terrible. in case you were watching good college football inside of mediocre, you know, that is mediocre play. But I'm going to go far and say this. Just when Max creates great point. Just when you think the offense can improve from last year, it's gotten worse. The offense has gotten way worse. I mean, it's just, it's just. I, I understand we're just beating a dead horse in this situation. Yeah.
0: And we'll, we'll move on in a second.
2: Yeah, we'll move on in a sec, but I, I thought it would be foolish not to bring up, you know, the team. But man, if this team can move the ball on the offense, they said it on game day. Kirk Curb Street, I think Lee Corso as well said this. If Michigan State can just be average offensively, just average, this team would have had 9-10 wins because the defense could carry the load. But they haven't. They've been below average, borderline horrific, and they haven't moved the load. So three big games coming up in these next three weeks, Alex. Iowa, at Iowa, home, homecoming at Indiana, and home to Purdue. If you don't win two out of three wins, I don't see where six wins can come from. It's not even six? Six. I don't see six. Think about it, Charg. You go... Okay, you go to Northwestern, that's a tough team. Okay. You go to Nebraska. That's a tough team. Michigan. Michigan at, at home. home. That's tough. That's always Camp gonna be a Randall? great game. No no Camp Randall? No. You don't play Wisconsin this year. You don't play Ohio State. You don't play Minnesota. Penn State. Minnesota. Minnesota's your win at the last week of the season. Right. Minnesota's your win. Oh, and you go to Illinois. So
0: So I I don't it, even know. About... But Nathan
2: Shieldhouse looks great. Mm-hmm. When I saw Nathan Shieldhouse play this weekend, you know, at Memorial Stadium over in Champaign. They looked pretty they decent, look good. Alex. They look
0: good. Pretty decent. So the if, most decent since the Ron Zook era, I'd argue. Yeah,
2: since Juice Williams when they made that Rose Bowl. Man, where's Juice Williams at? Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, if you don't win two out of three of these games, you don't I personally do not know where six wins would come from. I know Max and I have spoken off air about this and I know we're in the same boat. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. We're about to jump from MSU To Detroit Lions, because aside
0: from the atrocities with MSU's offense, there has been some revival with the Lions offense.
2: There has been. And you know what? We couldn't, could not fail to mention the big win against the Chicago Bears at home, divisional lead now. An undefeated Chicago team rolls into Ford Field. Right. And, and although the score was 42, 40 to 32. I thought the game was. That's it. There's a couple garbage time touchdowns for Chicago. At, you know, the game at one point was 40, 20s. It was
0: really. Well, listen, listen. For, for the audience, if you miss the game with seven minutes to play, the Lions were up 40 to 16.
2: Yeah. That's correct. They were up, it was a blowout. They were up, it was a blowout. They were up three scores against an undefeated Mark tressman led Chicago Bears team. And kudos to Coach Tressman; He's been absolutely outstanding. Um, and you love what the Bears are doing. But Cutler had his first, in my opinion, his first awful game of the season. And, you know, we're not going to turn this into Bears hour. But if the Bears are going to be good and co- compete in this NFC North, Cutler needs to be borderline perfect and great. And I'll go far and say it. For the Lions, if the defense can start getting some takeaways, which they did, some good picks, pretty sound defensive play, di- sharp, pretty disciplined. Yeah. So when I look at this, if the Lions play discipline, somewhat decent off, you know, defensively, offensively, they're going to put points up. If the Lions do that, they're going to win 10 games. They're going to go to the playoffs. Whether they win the division or not, let's have that conversation later. But if the Lions can do this on a weekly basis, they're going to be very competitive, but it kills you when they look good, so good against Chicago and they go to zone and lose. And, and finally, here's
0: where I'm going to argue with you. Okay. You're saying that the offense will always put up points? Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. You're if saying... Bush has to be healthy. Right. Bush has to be healthy. Calvin. Y- that's the thing. You're, you're counting on Bush to be healthy. Of course. You're counting on the Lions to find another receiver. You're counting on the Lions to find a tight end. I personally think that there are more holes in this offense than there might appear. Sure, 40 points. They, they, the offense was great. Stafford, mm-hmm. Johnson, fine. Johnson, though, on yardage was not very high.
2: He was all right. He had a touchdown. And touchdown. Once, if Calvin gets into the end zone... But, but the, that's the, the, the thing. They win.
0: Teams are shutting down Calvin now. Double tripping team. okay. Team. Oh, I know it's okay. And then you have Bush. But if there's no Bush, then there's no offense. The whole team is riding on Bush, in my opinion, right
2: now. I mean, you can argue that. I think that's what separates it, and I made this off-air, I'm going to make this claim right now. Reggie Bush is the best running back the Lions have had since Barry Sanders. <sighs> it's, it's accurate. They've had no one. They've had absolutely no Fino, one. Fino. True. I mean, true. off of last game,
0: he is. This past game, he is. Off of one game out of the last game.
2: But overall...
0: It's so early. You,
2: you can't. Early. You can't break the cookie before it crumbles, of bro. Co- of course not. But you know, what? I'm gonna pick up those. I'm gonna pick up those crumbs and eat them because they're delicious. Because when I look at it, Reggie Bush. Damn, just, but you're gonna jinx it. I'm not gonna jinx anything. I don't believe in jinxes. If 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 Fino is bewittling and jinxing the lions. In East Lansing, Michigan, we're in trouble. But that being said, Reggie Bush is coming off a 1,000-yard season. He looks good. He got paid. Coming off an injury, coming back and getting 100 rushing yards in the first half. That's excellent play. But this is what makes the Lions so good, is Reggie Bush is the perfect Lions running back. He catches the ball. He runs with the ball. He can catch. He should teach... He's him. not the first running back that can catch them. I understand that, but for the He's Lions... He's great in open space. But for a Lions team that throws the football 30 to 40 times a game plus, this is perfect. You have an offense tailored around your all-star and pro... I know all-star, but pro bowl, pro bowl quarterback. Your, your absolute superstar quarterback, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's healthy. When Bush is healthy, Calvin's Iron Man. But when all these things click... They win. And Joyke Bell, who usually is their staple, had a rough game. But even if Joyke Bell had a rough game, he still had four receptions for 30 yards. So the Lions' dimension in the backfield not only can run, it can throw. I'm sorry, it can receive. It can catch. Maybe it can throw. But you know what I'm saying? It can receive. And that's the dimension that the Lions missed. Not to mention Stafford got in the end zone rushing, too. So he was responsible for two touchdowns. He threw one pick. And the offensive line, Shargie. One sack, one sack yeah. allowed. But that that's that That's, a great, stat. that's, that's a, a great. It's one sack allowed. Was a loss of fourteen yards out of a Bears defense. Out of at a Julius Peppers, and Peppers looked very good. Julius Pepper looked very good. But when I look at the Bears, I see Cutler twenty seven for forty seven. He, you know, three interceptions. Shot. Yeah,
0: and 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 some fans were saying that
2: it's almost like he literally threw the ball away that game. Literally he, threw the game. He made some rough decisions, but the Bears still looked good. They'll correct that if Cutler doesn't make those throws and doesn't really turn the ball over like he has, they win. And that's why they were three and one coming into you know Ford Field. They win these games. The Bears are going to be a very tough team to beat. But look, you can analyze rushing stat. The Lions' rushing defense didn't look too hot. 14 carries for you know Matt Forte, 95 yards, one touchdown, 6.8 yards a scamper. So you know that's not necessarily a good statistic if you're the defense. But when I see it. The Bears took out, kind of, they took out Sue. They took out their guys and ran away from them. Just like when the Lions were trying to do that with Peps. But guess what? The Lions' offense is just too much. And for the Lions to win, they got to outscore guys. They have to outscore teams. And they, and they have been. You know what? We've been you know getting on Brandon Pettigrew. Where has Brandon Pettigrew been? He showed up in this game. Seven receptions for Brandon Pettigrew for 54 yards. And although it's not too big of a statistical game for him, He's been MIA all season. He shows up here and looks good. So now I see the Lions have options. Broyles didn't even get a reception. Yep. Targeted once. So now if you're the Lions, you add another receiver and then Burleson comes back, you have a Burleson
0: ver- won't be back for a while.
2: He's, he's he for, won't be back for a while. He's out for six weeks. Yeah, it's a long time. I understand that, but if you acquire a running, I'm sorry, if you acquire a receiver and then you get him back in November, December, that's gonna feel like an acquisition. So if you're looking at the Lions, we have a the Lions are very stacked up nicely. I'm curious to know what Max thinks about this offense. Because I think the Lions need to outscore opponents to win games. Period.
1: Well I'm going to go back to uh, first of all when you're talking about Reggie Bush. Um, I, I won't I won't go all the way on board saying he's he's the best at Sanders, but yeah, I will say I will garbage. say I will say that he is one of the best ga- uh, guys they've had in a long time that can make a guy miss. Yeah, and yeah, he is the best, he's probably one of the best receiving running backs they've had in a very very long time so the two the dual threat right there i think oh i mean you we see it right there i mean they didn't really have a, a guy last year in the running back position that could catch and you, i mean you see how much that opens off the offense so far i mean they put up 40 against a very good chicago bears team
2: i mean absolutely but first of all let me just make a correction i'm not comparing reggie bush to barry sanders barry sanders is one of the greatest running backs of all time reggie bush has an absolute long way to go I'm just saying for what this offense is made to be, Reggie Bush is the best in this system that they've had since Barry retired. Simple. This is exactly what they thought when they drafted Javid Best out of Cal. If Javed Best were healthy, this is what we would have seen out of him. He caught the football. He ran for the football. He made guys miss. He was a scat back, very elusive. When I look at Reggie Bush, he reminds me of Darren Sprolesharg. He's like Sproles, can catch, can run, but he's a better runner than Sproles. Got him on my fantasy, but yeah. he's a better runner than Sproles.
0: Ba- back to the, back to the Barry Sanders thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though my, right now he may seem like the best, it's one game. That's my point. Kevin Jones, if you remember back in the early two thousands from Virginia Tech. Went through two seasons with the Lions with over a 1,000 yards.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Bush hasn't even come clearly to that yet. It's, it's one game.
2: When I see it... You the- can't
0: jump on the bandwagon yet, Fino. No, no, Not no. Not even close.
2: I can't, but when I look at the career stats... You st- just did! Of course I'm jumping on. You're killing I- me, bro. Bro, bro. When I look at the stats, I go, look, Kevin Jones has 31 career rushing yards. Reggie Bush has 4,400, and he's a way better player period. He's faster, he's better, he's more in shape. But you
0: think the New Orleans Saints fans would say that he's a better player? He a, Probably
2: not, it doesn't matter. He's he injury prone, he's a walking hospital. He won a Super Bowl. Nah, he's not a walking hospital. Because the way I saw was this, in Miami, two seasons in Miami, 15 games played, 1, 000, almost 1,100 yards, 1,086, six rushing touchdowns, not to mention... If he's
0: that good, then why didn't they re-sign him?
2: Because they didn't have the money. And, and in 2012, he played every single game. Every single game in 2012. Yeah,
0: no, that, no, that's true. He, he did played play every game. Single, game and he ran
2: for 1000 986, if you want to quote me, six yards. Okay? So when I look at it is they didn't re-sign him because they wanted to sign Mike Wallace because they brought in Lamar Miller. So they wanted to make, you know, you know Reggie Bush got a lot of money. He got four years, 50 change. Yeah. So he got a lot of money. So they made an executive decision to go away from him. So that's the reason why he left Miami, as a clarification. But I'm just saying, if Reggie puts these numbers, he is on pace for 1000 yards again. And if he does this, it's going to be special. In three games played, he has 254 rushing yards. Decent. He's going to be right on that cusp, right on pace for 1,000. I think Reggie gets him there because Reggie brings them a dynamic. Here's a little receiving tabloid to show you of difference of quarterback. Matt Stafford versus a rookie in Ryan Tannehill. In 2012, obviously, we, this is receiving. We mentioned that Reggie played every single game. He had 35 receptions. 52 targets, 292 receiving yards for two touchdowns. This season, okay, he's got three games played. He has way more attempts, 48, and he has 254. Okay? So when I see this, he's targeted more. They're looking for him more. And it's a better quarterback distribution. So he's on pace to absolutely shatter what he is. Completely shatter. So this is an interesting dynamic that Reggie Bush brings to the Lions that is very under the radar.
0: We'll talk more about the dynamic when we return from a quick break. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap right here on Impact 89FM.
1: You're listening to
0: Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station,
2: listen to the Impact
0: Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week.
1: Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only
0: on Impact Primetime. Primetime.
1: Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local
0: library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Art Council. Now, back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. That's right, most weekdays from 7 to 8 p.m. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap right here on Impact 89 FM. Sharg and Fino here coming at you live every Monday night. Fino, uh, uh-huh. it's playoff time, baby. And I'm not talking about this bye week garbage. I'm talking about it's Tiger time. As they take on the A's in the first round of the ALDS. And actually, the funniest part about it is the bigger news is probably the last game of the season compared to their upcoming playoff match.
2: Yeah, I mean, the last game, you know, just a recapper for you Tiger fans, just in case you didn't want to watch any of that regular season, in the words of Alex, Gabbage and not watch him play Miami, you know, they went in there into Miami and they were swept, which I don't have a problem with. That the Tigers got swept. That's not a big deal. They were resting. They were resting. They still played some guys. They didn't, you know, they didn't throw scrubs out there. Fielder got some at bats, Cabrera, they played. But, you know, I don't think it's too big of a deal that the Tigers were no hit in their last game of the season. I, I don't think it's a big deal. Here's a team that won ninety three games. Here's a team that lost sixty nine games. Ninety three wins is a lot to be accomplished about. And the focus has to be going forward, how's your morale? I think it's really high if you're a Tigers fan because the clubhouse looks good. The team looks outstanding. And this is what I told Alex. I'm going far and saying this is one of the best Tigers offenses I've seen in a very long time. Okay.
0: Very Real long quick, time. Back to the no-hitter before in the offense. Okay. You can argue that, yeah, they weren't playing scrubs. They were hitting. They were hitting. But was this a lackadaisical team? Um, did, they, did they play like – was it a fair no-hitter? Yeah, it was a fair Are hit. no-hitters that happen after a team clinches a playoff berth or clinches a playoff spot, is that a fair? Is no, that no, a no, legitimate no-hitter?
2: No, 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 no. There's no. I don't think it is. There's no way we can say that it's an illegitimate no-hitter. A no-hitter is a no-hitter, A sure. no-hitter is a no-hitter of in the major leagues. It is, you, know. you want to tell me what's ridiculous is the Marlins, how they won it. They won it off a wild pitch. Yeah. So the Tigers gave it to them. But it's a no-hitter. Anytime you no-hit a professional team, and that's what I was going with the offense, Shark, one of the best offenses in baseball, you know, hit that team. That's an accomplishment for a team that's lost a hundred games. The Marlins. That's a big accomplishment. We, you can't, you can't take that away from Miami. You just can't.
0: But you don't think for one second that players, guards are a little down, considering that they don't have anything to really prove.
2: You know what? No, because if you really look and look at it, look who played in that game.
0: Yeah, look, but sure. Look, the look pr the pr an- answer, Fino and Max is sure we come out of every game. We're always looking to win. That's the typical pr answer. Okay. Uh-huh. But do you think that's the case for every single game? I mean, look. Does that explain yeah. Miguel Cabrera going to drink and not show up for the first game of the playoffs? Sure. I got to
2: say this. I'm the no-hitter. Guess who started the game? Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander started that game. He struck out 10 guys. Six. Pi- yeah, six one of his, pitch. One of, in my opinion, one of his better performances of the year. One of the best. He only pitched 80 pitches. So they're resting him. I understand that. And if he would have gone deeper in the game, he probably would have struck out 14 guys. But... The Tigers, you know, their, their foot wasn't on the gas. No Cabrera. Infante, 0 for 2. Peralta, which I loved. I love to see, but he was 0 for 3 in that game. Okay. Fielder gets one at bat, 0 for 1. Don Kelly, 0 for 4. Dirks, 0 for 4. These are guys that play. Iglesias in there, 0 for 2. Castellanos, your top prospect, 0 for 1. Santiago, 0 for 3. So you're not hitting. Obviously, there's zeros because they were no hit. But here's a team that started Justin Verlander. OK, here's Alex Avila played. So it's not like they were fielding no one. Verlander was in that game. He looked good. And that's what I take out of this game. Not the fact that they were no hit. The fact that Justin Verlander looked yeah. very and he, yeah. good. That's
0: good. And that, that was a big question. Right, Max?
2: But you're... I mean, I'm curious to know, because what we saw out of Justin Verlander, I would say, Shargi, is the best performance of the season for him
1: absolutely I think I mean honestly I mean I agree with both of you I mean I mean you look at what he did those those innings I mean he honestly he was on pace to go do a complete game too I mean he was just absolutely yeah. Eight, cruising through that lineup pitches and six absolutely innings. I mean he, he didn't even it didn't even look difficult for him okay really and good. and also I mean you had you had Porcello and Fister that looked really nice too mm-hmm. um and then Pacoan actually didn't even look terrible he just had he just had some control issues at the uh-huh. end there um but also I wanted to know you guys are going to appreciate this Henderson Alvarez former Lugna was Former he? Lansing Lugnut, yes no he is. No way. Uh, he was he was trade from the Toronto Blue Jays, as we know. It was which is uh the Lugnuts, got the most Lugnuts are in the organization there, but um we we'll I mean,
2: always bring up the
1: I mean, at the same time though, you look I mean their their top five guys in the lineup were not in that game, minus Fielder who got hit by a little league pitch and didn't play in anything else. So yeah. um Not concerning for me. I thought it was, you know, good for Alvarez. Good for him. He's he's young. He's he's trying to solidify himself in that rotation. Um, That's what I'm saying. Good for him.
2: Good for good for Alvarez and good for the Marlins. But Max, let me ask you this one question. Do you think the no-hitter from the Marlins was legitimate? I
0: was going to say, you're you're neglecting the the question. What's
2: What's the the question? question? No, that was the question. We came back to it. Okay, Okay, yes. Was the no-hitter legitimate? I say yes.
1: Absolutely. I think that an illegitimate no-hitter is an oxymoron in Major League Baseball. It's Major League Um, Baseball. Granted, yes. I mean, there's no doubt. Alex is right. I mean, those top guys were not in there, and if they're in there, he doesn't no-hit them. Okay? I mean, he's not going to no-hit that that one-through-five lineup, but... Nonetheless, those are professionals. they are major league hitters they get played or serious they get paid to play the game of baseball and uh no it's it's legitimate and his his stuff did look great, even against good tigers hitters they couldn't touch yeah.
0: him and, and what a way to end the year for you being a Miami guy Fino you know, what does that say about this Marlin's team who would you say atrocious year?
2: I think it's atrocious year. And, you know, I know for people that don't follow the Marlins, they just fired their president, Larry Sampson, who was head of their field, you know, baseball operations. But what does that say? What does that what does It that says say? the Marlins owners insane. And if you know a lot about the Marlins, their owner is Jeffrey Loria. And he's not a good man. And I say that because he just is He's not savvy about the game of baseball. And I say that, and I echo many statements of Marlins fans. And funny tableau of the Marlins. The Marlins are, were so bad this year, they only played 161 games because they didn't even want to make up their other game. That's how bad the Marlins were. And when you're that bad, when you only play 161 games, it's kind of like you're throwing, the white, you're throwing the white flag. So, but Shark, look at the Saturday game against the Marlins before. Jackson played one for five. Torrey Hunter played one for four. These are the things you look at. Cabrera, obviously, two for four. You're you're incredible. Fielder, 0 for three. And this is what I knew we were going to see. Johnny Peralta, two for five. But the most interesting thing I take away from this series is, okay, is now Johnny Peralta, your left fielder, because he's been playing left field, is now, obviously, you look and you see Santiago played here. Iglesias is playing. He's still a little, you know, bothered by that hand. But now, when I look at it, okay, I look at the Tigers and I have Austin Jackson in center. My right fielder is Torrey Hunter. My left fielder is Johnny Peralta. That's one of the best outfields in the American League, without a doubt. Yeah. See how good that is? And going into the playoffs, these are your guys. Your DH, obviously, is Victor Martinez. Cabrera plays third. It's now, wild. It's, a, it's a wild. The line. Tigers are built to win now. So I think it's legitimate that the Marlins played them. They played them tough. They had nothing to play for, and they still swept them. So good for the Marlins. They could have lost over 100 games. They still lost 100 games. And the Tigers, look, they still won 93 games. Great for the Tigers. They won these games. And you look forward to Friday's game. That's at Oakland, and your number one starter. No, it isn't Scherzer. It's Justin Verlander, and he pitches well. Max, is this the best offense
0: with Peralta and left field? I, I, I think,
2: Maybe
1: I, think ever? I, I, I think I definitely and think why? so um I, 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 I Dirks is a better has, has a better glove obviously now that left field Peralta it, just learning that okay um but I'm mean, give him time I mean and Rod Allen the color commentator for the Detroit Tigers made a great point it's much easier to go from the infield to the outfield that is the outfield to the infield, infield. that's a completely different type of game so yep. I mean Peralta I mean I thought I mean, he had a great bat and then he got suspended Give him credit though; he's picking up exactly where he left off because his. I mean, those balls were he's flying off the bat. I mean those. I mean those balls were flying off the All bat. Star. If
2: All you, if you put Johnny Peralta in your lineup, and according to right here, he pl- he bats sixth, fifth in your lineup. If you put Johnny Peralta batting fifth in your lineup, the Tigers are going to be in such shape it's scary. Because I would argue, you put Johnny Peralta at the six. You put Victor Martinez at five. One through seven, you bring a Vila in there. Infante isn't too shabby. This is a good team, and Fante's batting 319, so when you look at the Tigers 1 through 9, I assume Iglesias bats 9, they are very good. They are very good. The Tigers are going to be their worst enemy this postseason. If the Tigers won't, can't hit, they'll lose. But the pitching will be there, but they need to hit. And that's why it's in the Tigers' hands to win this World Series title. It's it's all there for them, Alex. And prediction here, against Oakland, not a bad team, you respect Oakland completely, you know, you're going to Oakland. You don't even have home field advantage against Oakland. Doesn't matter. I say no, it doesn't, because this is a tiger. You know, this is a Tigers team that's very good. But no disrespect, Oakland isn't too shabby either. They're hosting the Tigers. They have a better record than the Tigers this postseason and this season. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm super excited. They all tiebreakers tonight. Rangers go and play Tampa, Rangers are home. And the reason why I bring that game up because Nelson Cruz is in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So now you get your Biogenesis guys back and teams are going with them because you know what? The Cly's in the clubhouse they want them. And that's a good quote I heard from Cabrera. He res- he loves Johnny Peralta and they all welcome him back. So he's accepted and now they get all that stuff behind them. There's no distraction for this team, Alex. No.
0: Five one seven four three two three eight nine three again. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. You know, back to this Rangers Rays thing, and we're gonna come back to the Tigers in a second. Of course, course. we've got we've got some time with the Rangers Rays series. If the Rangers beat the Rays, what does that mean for the Tigers? Because look, look at the past records this year between the Rays and the Rangers. Who do the Tigers have more trouble with?
2: The Rangers. The Rangers. Without a doubt, the Rangers. And
0: it's scary because if you look at their team. And you look at the numbers, especially against their
2: pitching, it's very low. It's low. But the thing when I look about the Tigers is, yes, they do struggle historically at Arlington. They do struggle historically against the Rangers. And the one guy that kills them is Nelson Cruz and has this year, and he's back. He's back. And people forget when Nelson Cruz was suspended, he was leading the Rangers in two categories, home runs and RBIs. 27 home runs, 76 RBIs. Nelson Cruz, regardless of your situation on performance and answers, we're not gonna have this discussion. Nelson Cruz will help your team, just like Johnny Peralta helps this Tigers team.
0: This this is the same this is the same team that spoiled Max Scherzer's perfect record. Yeah. Because the, because
2: the Rangers will always play you tough. But here's the glimmering hope for Tigers fans is that David Price is pitching tonight at Arlington in Texas. So you have David Price going and what you know, David Price historically is hyped. Yeah. He always loves it, and he plays big in these spots. The night. I, I, I got the tonight
0: I, think, I think got the Rays tonight. You got the Rays?
2: Yeah. I got the Rangers because I like the Rangers at home. But here's the one thing that I look: You Darvish is not pitching tonight. Yeah, man. that's You <laughs> Darvish is not pitching. He pitched. He pitched last game to get him there, and you pitched outstanding. You Darvish has been nothing but extraordinary. So that's the key thing that the Tigers have in their favors. You isn't pitching. David Price is. I still think the Rangers squeak it out that, and they win. That's
0: another thing. Best Asian pitcher that we've seen.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I say in a lot of people were in, a lot in of the hu-
0: in, in the MLB? In the MLB.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt and I say this because when Dice K was brought up, a big phenomenon, Max, you remember it, about his gyro ball. This pitch that he threw that was so unorthodox and no one's ever seen. This case, still off the mats. He's you know, off the map. He's been on my Mets and he's been terrible. That aside, you Darvish is the best. This guy strikes out 200 guys. He's good. But you ask me, how does this game affect the Tigers? The winner of this game goes to face who? Cleveland. At Cleveland, and that's the team that the Tigers need to watch out for. Divisional opponent, there's not a team in the playoffs that have seen him more than Cleveland. So if Cleveland can get through ALCS mentality, that would be tough because I think the Tigers get through Oakland. And Now you go Cleveland against Boston. Terry Francona going back against Boston. You can't write a better script. You really can't. But guess what? It doesn't matter. I still think the Rangers get to that DS. Rangers Ra- Rangers don't get through. Oh, I'm sorry. Rays don't get through. Rangers get through. They play Boston. So you got your ALDS set up. And I think it's going to be Tigers in the CS. I like the Tigers, and I do like the Rangers. I think the Rangers really catapult themselves all the way with Nelson Cruz's play, the pickups that they've made. I don't doubt Ron Washington in October. Period. Yeah,
0: and it's going to be close. The record for the Rays and Rangers series in this year is four and three in Rangers. Yeah,
2: Rangers I know series. the Rangers have the, but it's it's up in, very
0: very up in the air.
2: It's very it's so. I
0: can't wait to watch tonight. It's going to, it's
2: going to be a great game. It's on a you know eight oh seven on TBS. Great game. Check it out if you guys want. I personally love it. I'm gonna be watching with a little Miami football.
0: Right. But, so, so so let's say these Rangers do get by and they face the Tigers. You have a- this issue because Verlander pitched an unbelievable game to,
2: to close out the year. Yeah.
0: Yet he struggled.
2: Is Scherzer or Verlander your number one and one? No, 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 no. Verlander's your number one because Verlander what? Verlander's done it. And this is no disrespect to Max Scherzer. This is a guy that won the MVP. This is a guy that wins Cy Young. Verlander at the right time plays. Max just said it. He showed up at the right time. The guy was on pace for a complete game. If the, if the Tigers have something to play for, the Marlins don't get, you know. But the, it's the Marlins. I understand. It's the Marlins. But I'm just saying, here's the scenario. If the Marlins are playing for something, Verlander goes deep into that game, arguably pitches eight innings, nine innings, and he strikes out 14 guys. He looks elite. You're bound to get a hit because you just have the better team. Let me
0: ask you this. If, if Verlander doesn't pitch that well against the Marlins, do you, is he still the undoubtedly number one pitcher?
2: Yes, because he's earned it.
0: That's why you gave him $202 million. Yeah, but do you, do, you give, do you give Andy Pettit your number one slot in the rotation because he's earned it over the years? No. No, no way. Because Who's it, pitching well right now? You go with who's hot.
2: I understand that.
0: I know I, you give it, No, and I understand you give it to Verlander.
2: It just makes sense from a baseball standpoint to put Scherzer at two because Scherzer would obviously get, you know, him and Verlander. One, two would get the most looks. And then you had Sanchez right behind them. Because the way I like it, with the way the Tigers are set up, you want to break it up like that. You want to put Verlander as one because he'll face your one. And guess what? The reason why I put it that way is because whoever your team's two is, Scherzer's going to be better than him. So that's why Leland's doing it. And that's the position that the Tigers are in. Yeah, I look at wins and losses. There's no disrespect to Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, for me, is my Cy Young, without a doubt. And that's a great season for him. Verlander's obviously struggled. Look for him next season, but look for him this postseason. Mm-hmm. He's your one because he's earned it. This is a guy... You're convinced by him. I'm You're... positive. Because guess what? This season, if I had to pick one pitcher to win me a game on the Tigers, I'm picking Verlander. Because when he is on, he is the best pitcher in baseball. Period.
1: Max? You know, honestly, it's, it's a... It's a... A lot more tough than than you would think, because my my mind my mind tells me Scherzer, but my heart says Verlander. And yes, Verlander, no doubt. The last, if you compare the last couple starts between him and Scherzer, he's been the hot. He's got the hotter hand. And Leland is all about about like right now, who's hotter. He, he, he always says it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Okay, which is which is a big concern. Whoever he's plays right. Cleveland, because they're the hottest team in baseball right now. But um, I mean. I would say, I'm going to say, just thinking from a Leland perspective, he's going to go Scherzer just so... He, I mean, I mean, either way you look at it, I mean, you have two number one guys and going going in that one and two spot. So yeah, Scherzer's gonna be better than any number two guy, but at the same time, Verlander's gonna be better than a number two guy either. So I think he goes with Scherzer just to keep the rotation, just to keep it like consistent. Your your number one guy, your twenty one wins, and but the funny thing is, if he doesn't, if Scherlander pitches or excuse me, Scherzer pitches second, when's the last time that a probably Cy Young winner didn't start? The first playoff game of the season
2: two words for that justin verlander and this is what jim leland said he's pitching verlander game one so your answer is right there he thinks verlander is the better option to face bartolo Colon. bartolo cologne's had a great season 18 wins he obviously thinks scherzer and this is out of respect for verlander scherzer's season is outstanding When is the first time you've ever seen a Cy Young pitcher pitch game two? I don't know. And you know what? That's a good statistic to bring up. Because you know what? I honestly don't know. But when you look at the team going forward, okay, Verlander pitches Friday. Saturday, you have Scherzer. And then on Monday, they're off Sunday. And then on Monday, they come back to Comerica. You have Sanchez. Sanchez, the reason why that's set up perfectly is Sanchez's splits at home and away are outstanding. He pitches way better at Comerica Park than he does on the road. So my one, two, three... Is, is outstanding? If I'm if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm looking at this. There's no reason why you can't sweep you can't sweep Oakland. Yeah, but you, out of respect for Oakland, they're a good team, and they're going to become egg like hungry of course, after why, last why year. Why wouldn't of they? And then and, and you're in such a good position. How do you feel about Doug Fister? Are you confident with Doug Fister starting a game?
1: Well, okay, so I was just going to bring that he's up. Starting is, game four, that's that's right if because you think about it. He is not, he's going to have a huge huge break between. I mean, he's not scheduled to start what October eighth, I believe is is yeah, when that game. He's, he's, he's I starting mean, Tuesday. Th- that's a that's a huge gap. If so necessary. if if gets there, that's if necessary. necessary. And if it's not necessary, then he has to wait even longer. Perfect. Gra- granted, you know, depending on you know what happens in the other series, but I mean, that's a long time to wait. And we've seen not just with the Tigers, but other other players and teams as well. The longer that mm-hmm. you wait, the more you get out of sync. So it's honestly it's gonna be tough. He's he's actually my biggest concern. Not because I don't think he can do it, it's just he has the toughest schedule pitching on. He
2: does. And we'll soothe we'll soothe that. We'll soothe your nerves a little bit because the beauty part is if the Tigers sweep hypothetically, Fister would only be pitching once if the Tigers get to the World Series. How crazy to think about crazy. that. Because Verlander would pitch on three days rest, he'll get two starts in the C in the C S, so would Serge- Scherzer. And then you would throw Sanchez in a game, and if it gets there, he pitches. So you can get to the World Series without even Doug Fister pitching. That's insane to even think about. That the Tigers can go with the three rim rotation and have a four that, Max, people would die to have Doug Fister as their four. A-
1: absolutely and and that's the thing is that this is i mean we haven't seen this not just with the tigers but really with uh, any major league team the last couple of years is this is a good problem to have if you're generally it's an problem. amazing problem so i mean i mean that's why doug fister comes in and rick porcello comes in and interrupts that great gem that Verlander is throwing it's just so they can see some game action anytime oh, soon
2: I, th- I think what the tigers said they gonna they're going to do is they're going to move rick porcello into the bullpen because they just don't need him, and which is a good problem to have but look your number four starter is fourth. He was 14-9 in the regular season. He threw, you know, six ERA, 160 strikeouts. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. Good prompt to have for the Tigers. The rotation, we spoke about it, Shard. No questions in the rotation anymore.
0: Right. And to soothe your nerves a little bit more, it's about time for our favorite part of the show. <laughs> Goon yeah. of the Week. That's right, Goon of the Week, brought to you by the Impact Sports crew. And speaking of soothes your nerves, I want to give you a Sue, who is my Goon of the nice. Week. Uh, that is the can Sue. If you were at the Lions game or you watched it, right after Fairley picked up for the touchdown, they glance, they 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 prance on back to the Lions side line sideline, Fairley goes to give Sue a chest bump, Sue lands flat on his bottom. Just totally... <laughs> Just, just muffs a chest bump.
2: I wonder. It was if beautiful. G- I wonder if Goodell will find him too for that. <laughs> uh, but for me, Shargi, and how could you not pick him? My goon of the week is my favorite very sarcastic head coach fired now Lane Kiffin, <laughs> leaving Tennessee for 1 year in his marquee job leaving Tennessee fired by the Raiders coming to USC his dream job dream job only to absolutely tank it after a year removed from firing his father as defensive coordinator Unbelievable. in respect can for you imagine his what job. his father is thinking right? oh he's laughing he's probably laughing his tail off because guess what you look at what Monty Kiffin's doing in Dallas. It's going to be pretty good. Dallas looks pretty crispy. Dallas,
0: yeah. You're, you're talking about the Dallas. I'm
2: talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, He's in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys.
0: So that's the thing, though. And that's another situation. Is the whole Romo thing? They're, they're, that's scary. How bad? the Cowboys how bad are is, leading
2: at two and two. How bad is that division? Bad. How bad is it? The bad. Giants are zero and four. The Eagles. You yeah. can't even. Make two
0: teams, two. one and oh. three, tied for second.
2: I it couldn't even, be, you know, it's really, horrible. Hail, you know, hail to the Redskins. Redskins are one and three. Yeah. They're 0 and four, the Giants. Eagles are one and three. Two and two. <laughs> Cowboys win that division, sadly.
0: Exactly. Well, listen, we do have to cut off a little bit early today. We do have an Impact Sports meeting with the staff. We I want to thank you all for tuning of in course. to today's show for Sharg and I'm Fino. I'm
2: Fino, guys.
0: We'll be back another Monday. And guess what? Stay tuned. The pact will be coming at you in a few weeks. Don't want to miss that. But for now, we're signing off for Lane Kiffin, Sue, and a bunch of goons. We'll see you next week.
2: Take care, guys. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune
0: in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news,
1: and analysis.
2: Here and only here on Impact 89FM.